The NFL is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving all new players a can't-miss offer for Week 1. Bet just $1 on any NFL game during the first week of the season and receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now. You heard right. DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more on any Week 1 game. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all of the great promotions and daily odds boosts. Plus, you can make every game a big game with the same game parlays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any Week 1 game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly. For a limited time, only a DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Hey, Fifth Line. Mike Todd here, in arena host for your Columbus Blue Jackets, and you're listening to the Subjectively Speaking Podcast. And now, here's Jeremy Paul and Laura Norman. What is up, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Subjectively Speaking on the Hockey Podcast Network, presented by DraftKings. My name is Jeremy. And I'm Laura, and we have a very special episode for all of you today. Um, As some of you may know, Jeremy had, and still has, he'll get back to it eventually, um, had another (laughs) podcast um, prior to us starting Subjectively Speaking, Um, called Line Change, which focused on um, advocacy and inclusivity within the hockey world. And we are really wanted to take the opportunity in the sort of slow uh, time period between things happening in Blue Jackets world um, to re-release an episode that he did last October with um, one of our favorite guys, players, um, people, uh, current, brand new, uh, Toronto Maple Leaf, uh, Curtis Gabriel. Yes. And Curtis was so, I mean, I was so appreciative of him to, to take the time. This conversation happened last year in October. So we're coming up on about a year, uh, since our conversation. And that's just like wild for me to think about, but uh, for him to take the time to sit down with me, you know, like you said, like doing the the Lion Change podcast, like by myself and, and just kind of like trying to figure it out. If you ever want to laugh, you can listen to the first episode of that podcast where I think I'm talking on a calculator. Um, it was bad, but then things changed and we progressed and now here we are. Um, and yeah, it was just so cool to, to talk to him and just all of the really great work that he at the time was doing, um, you know, in in the sport of hockey on and off the ice, um, the way he plays the game. You and I talked a little bit about like how we enjoy like the physical enforcer element of, of a hockey player. Um, and I, I have to say like some of what Curtis talks about, like, it still reigns true like now. And I think that's part of the reason why I wanted, I came to you and I was like, I think, I think we could re-release this. I think it could be really good. Um, and so, you know, 
I want I want the interview and and our conversation to do most of the talking. But um, for those of y'all who maybe are unfamiliar with Curtis, um, at the time of our conversation, uh, he was an unrestricted free agent. He had just finished up in the Philadelphia Flyers organization, and not long after, um, not long after our conversation, he signed a deal to play for the San Jose Sharks and their organization. Uh, and like Laura said, after a relatively successful year in San Jose is now a Toronto Maple Leaf. And, um, you know, I think that's pretty cool. I think it's pretty cool that he gets to to do the work that he does in the hockey capital of the world. He gets to do that in a space that's so, um, so analyzed and so under the microscope that like everything he does is going to be seen by a whole lot of people. And I think that's really cool. Uh, so here is the interview with, uh, King Clancy Memorial Trophy finalist, Curtis Gabriel. Here I want to introduce a really special guest that I have with us today. His name is Curtis Gabriel. Uh, he's currently an unrestricted free agent, originally drafted 81st overall by the Minnesota Wild in 2013. Since then, he's kind of played the role of an enforcer with a few stints in the NHL, playing for the Wild and for the Devils, but more recently uh, has been a member of the Philadelphia Flyers organization playing in the American Hockey League. Curtis, how are you doing today? Good, man. Uh, trying to grind through uh, some work here. I was a little late to this podcast. That's never good. But hey, we're here now. And uh, I love doing these kinds of things. So I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, for sure. And I appreciate you taking the time and obviously doing good work. Um, I just wanted to start off, uh, maybe not everybody's as familiar with your journey into advocacy and allyship. And so I was wondering, you know, what really started that for you? Um, what was that turning point? Uh, and, and if you could share that with us. Yeah, well, it definitely wasn't like early on, that's for sure. I think these issues uh, take time to educate on. That's why it's going to take time to make headway on them, which we are, I think. But uh, so for me, I was raised uh, with no religion or anything, uh, mostly primarily by my mom. Just uh, treat everyone with respect, um, not to worry about these issues too much. Uh, so not that not to not worry about them, but just wasn't, I didn't really know much. Just treat everybody well, like nothing, none of these things should matter. Uh, but I was a little oblivious to homophobia and that kind of thing. And I think falling into the trap of hockey and the way the hockey culture is and using derogatory terms all the time, unknowingly, not directing them at anyone, just thinking that's what you say and talk about. Sure. Uh, so I was a little naive, that's for sure. And uh, I had an ex-girlfriend who her friend came out to be with one of her other friends and her family was pretty well off, I guess, uh, and they decided to kind of unfinancially support her, which I thought was a joke because uh, they were very supportive before. And I just didn't understand her being such a sweetheart of a person. Um, the kind of person that like wouldn't hurt a fly and you just like, why would you ever treat that person wrong? Uh, so that really stood out to me. And um, then going into that season, that was the summer, going to that season um, with the New Jersey Devils, I happened to be up there for the Pride Night, which was awesome. And we had the Pride tape on our uh, given out to wear and we were kind of told to put it on your blade and warm up. And I, I didn't want to do that. I was in the NHL. I wanted to stay there so bad. I didn't want to mess around with anything. So I put it on the shaft of my stick underneath, like, my butt end. And uh, I went out for warm up. was fine. Wasn't thinking about anything. Guys took the tape off their blades, put the regular tape on. I just thought, this is a split-second decision. You know, I looked at my tape. It's, it's going to be harder to take that off than to just leave it on. And somebody might notice it, you know, now that I have this background of this issue. And then went right into playing hockey again. Uh, had a great game. Had my first NHL goal two nights before against Ottawa. I was playing the Canadians. Scored another goal. Best feeling in my life. This one I kind of knew was happening. And I knew it was going to come. Got to celebrate. And after the game, my phone's blowing up for not only scoring another goal, but 
to, you know, for scoring a goal for inclusion and all the people that were watching it made them feel more included in the game. So really that's where it started for me. Um, and just since then it's taken me on this amazing ride where it's brought so much love in my life and really made these issues a lot more real to me. Yeah, for sure. And I think you bring up a really good point there and saying, you know, you were there, you were in the big leagues. You're like, I didn't want to mess with anything here for you. Like, especially like, I know you've mentioned that you're, you know, had a couple stints in the NHL, but you've primarily found yourself in the AHL and those moments where you know that you have a chance, how do you begin to, you know, kind of rationalize those moments of activism and allyship knowing that, like you said, like, you don't want to rock the boat too much. And I think sometimes that maybe the thing that prohibits some folks from getting involved in this kind of work is knowing that, you know, job security can be on the line if you say the wrong thing to the wrong person or whatnot. So how have you balanced that? And, and have you ran into any obstacles in doing that? Uh, actually, I don't even think it's been much of a, a balance, really. It's been, uh, I do everything I think I should with this uh, topic, and I'm kind of unapologetic, uh, unapologetic about it. Um, I think I'm on the right side of this issue, so that also sure. helps. Uh, so for me, it's like, honestly, if a team doesn't want to bring me in because of that, that I don't want to go there. So that's, I mean, I, that's truly my opinion on that. It doesn't sound like a great place to play hockey. I'd like to go and make a difference, but if they don't even want to bring me in at all, who cares? I mean, so I really am just trying to balance more the like social media side where I'm sharing a lot of like a hockey player's life as well as the activism. I got to make sure I don't share like too much information ever or leak something that shouldn't be leaked, show mm-hmm. anything that shouldn't be shown. So really with the activism, I'm kind of gloves off, but I'm just trying to manage the whole kind of aspect of me sharing more uh, about my life. Yeah, for sure. And I think you know, we talk, like I try to talk about on this podcast, how society is impacted by sports and how, you know, sports, you know, can impact larger society. And so for you, like, what role do you think sports do play as a whole in society? And then how do you think society then impacts the sports that we take in? Yeah, it's just crazy that people that don't think these things belong in sports. It's like, well, where else would they belong? Like, why we love sports is a microcosm of life. It's like, we're basically like, the big superstars of sports are basically like super are, are real life superheroes. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, let's not kid ourselves. That's kind of what it is. So uh, sport can reach all parts of the globe. It unifies people. So why wouldn't something that unifies people bring together the issues and problems in the world? So um, I think it plays a huge role. Uh, these guys have massive platforms, you know, some guys, even in like in soccer, European football, it's so many people are, are attracted to it. And then you filter on down the list hockey somewhere like down the fifth, sixth level of pro, like the highest popularity. Uh, but uh, we have a role to play. We live, uh, I think we live a privileged life in hockey. Now, not to say you have to do anything. I think everyone has free choice to do what they want. If they want to be private on these issues, that's great. But I think most people can see that we need to be outspoken. We live a great life and with comes, you know, fame and the opportunity to monetize that fame comes with, you know, I think some moral responsibility. Um, to give back and to at least stick up for what you believe in. Hey, if you're on the other side, rip it too, I guess, and we'll have discussions about it. Um, As long as we keep hockey first when it's time to drop the puck. But that's the thing. At the end of the day, it is just a sport, right? So um, just like you saw at the NHL bubble when they decided to stop playing, they were a day late with the other sports, but at least they decided to stop. This is bigger than sports. And we need to start letting that enter the chat as like these are bigger than sports. So I think it has a massive role to play. <clears throat> I think to see guys trying to find the line between playing at a high level and learning a lot, right? You can't mm-hmm. kind of do both. You kind of got to chip away at it. And that's why these issues have no finish line. So we need to view it as like the more, the, be- the more athletes speaking out about things, the better, because it's just going to incite way more conversation. Yeah, for sure. And, and to your point, 
you know, this isn't exactly something you can learn overnight. Right. And, you know, if anybody follows you on Instagram, especially like the work that you put into your craft and into, you know, making sure that you're, you know, ready for whatever comes your way next, you know, you put a a hell of a lot of time into that. Right. And so I think uh, I caught an interview that you had done um, with the hockey embassy a few months ago where you talked about, you know, especially the American hockey league being a little bit of a younger league. There is a little bit of that time that allows itself for, for guys to maybe use some of that free time to educate themselves and to get involved in their communities. And I think, you know, to that point, you know, what do you think keeps guys from using that free time when they get the chance to educate themselves, to get involved in their communities? And, you know, how have you seen guys, you know, on a larger scale or guys who maybe have to spend more time doing, you know, the work, maybe they're, full-time NHLers or whatnot. Um, you know, how have you seen them carve time to, to do this work? Yeah. I mean, I, I have to start with saying like, I was a young guy in pro and I didn't do much either. I did the community events. I always thought getting out in the community was important, which I think all kids, you know, especially guys in the minors should be able to do like when you have no family and you're just playing video games all day. Mm-hmm. Those guys that kind of target, like kind of look back on myself, but at least I did the community events. But as far as these issues, yeah, like it's the fear of the unknowns, the fear of being judged, right? It's just the same fear of, somebody coming out basically obviously not as bad but it's the same kind of you don't want to put yourself out there so I think we just start to start to need to normalize putting ourselves out there and not being afraid of maybe think somebody thinking you're wrong and you need to be corrected uh, that's okay that's not a bad thing I think vulnerability is really a strength uh, and people just view it as a weakness all the time so uh, everybody's vulnerable in some way it's just whether or not they hide it uh, if you can harness that I think that's what really is going to help your life help an individual playing hockey help a team help a team win a cup, help an organization. That's really important. So I, you know, the the kids don't do as much. I can't say I did that much, but we do need to start making it more normal. And as far as like other guys carving out time, like, I I mean, you look at like Braden Holpe, he's done some stuff. He's been a really outspoken guy, which is huge being, you know, a big platform goalie winning Stanley cup. Um, There's, you know, different guys here and there, but really not enough. Um, Usually more on just the community side, which is great, like helping out communities. But Really, I think what at the head of these communities are, the, are these issues. So um, I definitely think we could focus more on these issues too. Yeah, and I think like that's what kind of gets me every now and again is, you know, I'm, I'm from Columbus, Ohio. I'm a big Columbus Blue Jackets fan. And so I think, you know, Columbus uh, as an urban population, I mean, it, there are inner cities, uh, inner city populations that want to engage with and you see the, the team go and provide service to the community. And so they're, you know, sometimes when I, and this, I'm not necessarily looking for a comment necessarily because I don't want you to, you know, put your foot in your mouth or get in trouble here. But like, I see some guys not engage with or make comments on things like, you know, Black Lives Matter when the NHL um, did take their pause, you know, not really any comments in that matter. And and I, it, it's hard for me to think, especially like these markets that are in inner cities, um, you know, to have players that will serve the communities, but may not speak out that that has always as a white man, like I can't necessarily make a comment on how I feel about it, but it makes me wonder, you know, what do black fans, what do folks in the community feel when, when that doesn't happen? So I think, you know, you make a good point about the community service aspect of it. Yeah. Sure. I, mean, I think it's, everybody's just worried about how it's going to affect them. Right. But I truly mm-hmm. think like, you know, both sides think they're right, which is sad, but I think the general consensus, if you polled everyone, I think most are going to say that there's a human rights side that, is kind of more correct. Would you not agree? Right. So I just feel sure. like if you're on that side, you should be worried if you're on the other side and you want to speak out, I think, because it's going to not be good maybe, but it's, sure. it's help you turn it around if you be, you're open to that. But if you want to jump in on these issues on this side, you don't have to do a ton. 
it's just a little bit, you know, just a little bit showing you're, you're willing to talk and listen. Um, also guys don't want to look like they're trying too hard. That's a huge problem with hockey. You don't try hard. It's this, it's like, uh, sure. I don't know what's wrong with trying hard. It's, I think it's great. Like, I don't know what trying to be your best in not only hockey, but in issues and stuff. Why wouldn't you try to do that? So, um, it is, it's a very touchy thing. You can't tell any, every other people, other people how to live, but I just think it's so funny. Like as soon as you just tell someone, Hey, like, what if your brother's gay? What if your mom came out after she's 50 years old and finally realizes like she's been living a lie because that's the way the culture made her. She didn't even was oblivious to it this whole time. How would you feel about that? Would you shun your mom? Like, right. I think it's a pretty quick change to be like, Oh, now this issue matters to me. So yeah, <laughs> right. I didn't really have a super close realization here it was more of just like i saw something that i didn't sit well with me like why would someone be disowned by her family financially and helping her with college now she has to work two jobs now she has to grind so much harder just because she who she wants to love and she still decides to love them in spite of that like love always wins man so i just don't know why people can't flip that empathy switch in their head yeah, no doubt. And I, you know, you talk about guys, you know, not wanting to come off as tryhards or just wanting the the image of it to not come off as performative or or you name it. And so, you know, as somebody who's been doing this for, you know, well over a year and longer, have you had guys come to you and have conversations with you about how they can get involved in the work or um, even if they haven't gotten a chance to do it yet? Like, have you, you know, facilitated those conversations on what next steps look like for those guys? Not really, no. Um... There's a couple guys that'll reach out, but love what you're doing, but it's never like, how can I help? Uh, it's never really, um, you know, it might be little light jokes and stuff, nothing bad, but it's never really, what can I do? It's, I try to talk to about it. I try to push that, but you can't, you can lead a horse to water and they can't make him drink. And I have a hard time even leading people to water. I try to talk about these things a lot. Sometimes people get sick of it. Uh, they want to talk about other things, but no, not a, I, I haven't been able to mentor too many people like that. I think, the most mostly it's been people not on my team like you know random d3 hockey player junior b hockey player it's like hey love what you're doing or or like maybe a former player like hey wish i did this and you're so right wish i was on this kind of side when when you were and i was playing so it's more of like that kind of support and obviously those people if they're reaching out and say it they get it you know they're doing their own thing so yeah it's something i wish i got to do more you know uh but it's, it's also, it's, it's hard too, right? Like I'm balancing it too. Like I have a life that I need to work hard at and make a living and be, mm-hmm. you know, happy. But I do think there's some time, like maybe I commit more than the average person. That's my role. That's great. That's, I've always been an outspoken person, but sure. um, other people can have a smaller role behind the scenes, but it's just doing little things, little things add up, you know? And I think we are getting there just going slower, slower than we want. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, this might be a little bit of a goofy lead up to the question, but, you know, you talk, I talked a little bit earlier about how you've kind of been revered as an enforcer in the league um, and the leagues that you've played in and anybody who's watched you play sees that to be true. And so the thing that I find interesting is, you know, here in Columbus, we've had a few of those guys come through guys like Jody Shelley and, and Scott Hartnell. And those guys always seem to be the ones that get the most involved in the community. And those guys always seem to be the ones that are the most loved by the community and most involved. And so I'm wondering, it's like, is there a science to that? Like what makes that so true? And, and do you think I'm on to something there? Or do you think that I'm just grabbing at straws? No, I think this is hundred percent. I mean, we're not afraid to like put ourselves out there and fight in front of 20,000 people or millions of people on TV and possibly get like knocked out or something like certain vulnerability to that. So we understand that first and foremost, we're not really too worried about much. We're not worried about too much. I think the other thing is we understand how valuable every member of the team is. We're the lowest of the totem pole. 
So we understand how important it is to feel valued by your team to go out and do that job. That's, you know, nobody else wants to do. Um, but then also I just think it comes with the territory, right? If you're going to, you're, you're they're going to find somebody else that might fight somebody or go play hard. They might, so you better do everything you possibly can in the community and be seen as a good guy. So I think there's, there's both elements to that. Um, some people may be more genuine, some people maybe not, but I think for the most part on the whole, we are those genuine people that are just happy to be up there with all these amazing hockey players and playing with them and trying to prove that we can play a little bit and uh, bring in what we can to a team. I truly like that's, you know, when people come out and uh, people are worried how it's going to affect the team or stuff, like we got to embrace all individuals. Like you got to embrace every guy on the team. You can't be like, can't have a third line guy wishing he was the first line guy. You have to make him feel, Hey, this is your role right now. We love and appreciate what you do. It's so important. Like we understand that stuff. Sure. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's awesome. I, I think, um, you know, yeah, that's one of those things I've noticed and it's just fascinating to me. <laughs> They've always been my favorite players. So I, I mean, I hear you. Um, so kind of talking about like locker room and like, you know, culture and, you know, recognizing the importance of every individual in the locker room. Have you ever seen moments where there are issues of diversity and inclusion? Maybe, you know, there's a polarizing event that happens in a city that you're playing in, or just maybe a national story uh, where do you ever see, I know you say that, you know, politics kind of keeps its way out of it, but again, you reference these as like human rights issues that aren't political, which I agree with. And um, have you ever noticed that kind of dividing a locker room have you ever seen that happen have you ever seen those conversations come into the locker room and create tension yeah uh the only time really uh that it's ever gone to past the point of you know just a casual conversation was actually when trump got elected so uh, i remember going in the locker room that day i'm a canadian i'm like sure. heard trump might win and i'm like isn't this guy like a business guy isn't he like a terrible person like oh fair <laughs> kind of like oh like there's no way he's gonna win there should be like a first female president seems about time that was my knowledge and i come in there and it's like everybody's like looking at it on the pro four practice and watching it and i'm looking around like like he's not gonna win right and all these dudes are like oh no we all voted for him and, and me all the canadians who were kind of like we're all like what and then we started asking a couple questions and it's kind of like you know wow like these guys are really wow like we did i didn't see that i didn't think that i was naive again so really that's the only time and we had a, a harvard guy who would go at it with a you know a republican kind of guy and they drank they'd get really crazy at each other uh really that's the only time uh that i can remember and since then it's been kind of obviously you've seen the climb to the world it's become a very like people used to talk about these things i think but now they don't because it can get so heated right so um I don't know. It's a, it's a touchy one. We try to leave, like you said, the politics out of human rights, but it's almost become human rights has almost become a tactic. Yeah. It's crazy. So, uh, no, um, I think you find a lot of people, a lot of guys just don't want to talk about it. Don't want to go there, focus on the game. They don't want them to, they don't want to be seen as a distraction in the locker room. That's uh, bringing stuff and dividing the team and taking their focus off of it. Sure. I, I think to your point there about like, you know, you had a bunch of you, like the Canadian guys come in and, you know, things just didn't click. Like, do you see that in the locker room too, where, you know, obviously everywhere has its, you know, you know, inequalities and, and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, nobody is free of it, but, you know, I think to an extent, I think, 
I wonder, do folks from other countries, you know, players from other countries find themselves to be, you know, find it harder to have conversations because it's not necessarily like where you're like you're playing in a place that's not necessarily home. Like how do you, you know, manage that? Maybe it's not as difficult for the Canadian guys, but thinking about guys from like Europe, like how do like, how do those conversations play out in the locker room? Yeah, well, I mean, I try to stay like what I'm just talking to you there that I was just, those just happened to be Canadians that, you know, kind of had similar views to me, I guess. I played sure. with Canadians that are super, you know, Trump guys and all that. So like you said, there's people everywhere, but um, no, I, I try to stay out of it as a Canadian, right? Like if so many people message me, you know, maybe I'd get my citizenship if I keep playing down there or whatever. And I could be more outspoken about, it, but I don't think it's really my place. I think me focusing on the human rights issues says all you need to know. I don't really need to take it to another level. So, um, yeah, not my place. And I'm sure, you know, European guys are probably like, what the hell's going on? You know, <laughs> it depends where you are in, in Europe. Like, True. some places in Europe, I mean, are 20 years behind us here. Yeah, I don't think the Russian guys are probably speaking out to as much. There's I'm, I'm generalizing, but. Yeah, there's some, <laughs> there's some guys from countries who are great dudes, but just are just lived a totally different life that's even further behind and have some pretty bad views on things. Sure. Uh, even though they're nice guys and they, they're just, it's just what you're taught. Right. So um, I'm sure they're kind of, but then some other countries are like kind of a little more like us Canadians are kind of like, Holy crap. Like this is crazy. Um, but again, it all depends. There's like you said, there's different, you could say, I say Canadians and we're supposed to be like all against Trump, but that's not true. Like yeah. there's a, definitely people that are into that and love him. And um, just a big, just a big world we live in. That's a lot of really big opinions and it's, it's really no overwhelming, to be honest with you. Yeah, no doubt. I can only imagine, too. I mean, just a, a no prescribed viewpoint in the locker room. So I, I can only imagine what that's like at times. Um, so I, I've heard you on, you know, in other interviews or, or read uh, other interviews where you've talked about one of the reasons that you see hockey to to have some of these more, you know, difficult ideologies, it comes from the place of hockey not being accessible to everybody, um, you know, just from, you know, the cost associated with playing hockey, where hockey ranks are located in cities, that kind of deal. And so um, could you talk a little bit more on some of those issues, uh, you know, why you think it is and, you know, what leagues like the NHL, the AHL, the OHL, like what those leagues can do to increase access uh, to families who are of lower socioeconomic statuses? I mean, First of all, that's, that's always rattles me about hockey. Like it always kind of bugs me sometimes to play a sport that can be only accessible sometimes to some people, but it's not a shocker why we lag behind the other leagues with these issues. I mean, it's, it's a white predominant sport, uh, usually upper middle class sport. And those people unfortunately tend to have the views against a lot of these issues uh, just by how they're raised. So that's super frustrating to me. Um, don't like that at all. But uh, as far as making it more accessible, I mean, it seems like the wealth gap keeps keeps growing. Sure. So I don't know how we're going to make hockey any cheaper if inflation keeps going up. But I mean, you can sure as heck make better fans out of the people that maybe didn't grow up playing it or don't have access to it. I mean, we can be, why can't we be leading the way with these issues? Hockey guys are always supposed to be the nicest guys and the most humble and they say, you know, great interviews and their team atmosphere. It's like, well, why can't we be a part of the team of humanity? Why can't we uh, lead the way in that aspect at least where, and why would it, and I don't understand how it would hurt the league. Clearly this is the issue, you know, the human rights side of the issue is the right side to be on. If we could just get on that side, probably get a lot more fans into the game. Like, Hey, these bunch of white dudes are doing a good thing, you know? So I, I don't, I don't get it, but from what I've learned, it all comes down to money and even, sure. 
even in these leagues and stuff, that's what it comes down to as well. The, the bottom line is money. It is a business. So um, these issues probably won't, you know, until like stuff seems to really hit the fan, money comes first before these issues. So I don't really, uh, the way I approach it with uh, Brock McGillis, uh, for people who don't know, first openly gay former professional hockey player, um, he's really leading the charge and we're really focusing on humanizing and educating. I mean, it's almost like some of these older people might be lost causes and you got to start focusing on the younger generations. Sure. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think like, you know, part of like the hockey diversity Alliance's pledge that they sent to the NHL, like, you know, the idea of creating programs for youth in, you know, inner city Toronto and the Toronto metro area. Like I think about that as, as being maybe nice first steps. Do you think that things like that, are useful even i mean not necessarily going to create future nhlers by doing something like that but even just introducing you know folks to the game even if it's not you know a, a league that requires you know actual ice time or whatnot like if, even if it's you know a roller league or just an outdoor like floor hockey um do you think that there's a place for that and and how do you think the nh what do you think the nhl's responsibility is in something like that i mean i try not to comment on too much what their responsibility is sure. You know, guys lead the charge with that. Uh, obviously, I think they should be doing more. Uh, obviously, the HDA is great. Uh, I think that's awesome. I think, you know, introducing people to sport is great, but I think we got to focus first and foremost on, like, the actual hockey culture that already exists. Like, we need to focus on educating the people that are playing and are in the sport right now. We can't worry about the other people yet. we got to fix sure. inside first. That's my opinion. So, if the issues are coming from the inside, why we, you know, we're not going to start bringing new people in. We've got to fix the foundation of this game. And um, it's run by a lot of old white dudes. That's kind of what it comes down to. Uh, and money, which is just sad. Sure. I think the world, the world has prioritized money and success over happiness and fulfillment and the right thing to do. I think that's quite clear. Um, I used to think that way as well, because we're all raised in this kind of machine that is life, but it's like, I listened to a lot of Gary Vee and he's really preaching that message, which he's a business guy who didn't get into this to preach these messages, but he's just found himself doing the right thing to do is that like, if you make a million dollars in the NHL, but you are miserable, you're not winning in life. But if you make 60 grand and you're happy as a pig in mud, like, Hey, that's, that's what success should be. That's what we need to change the narrative to. Yeah, for sure. And and you might have a better perspective than anybody, um, you know, any layman that would, you know, talk about this issue. But obviously, with everything going on in the NHL right now regarding, you know, what the uncertainty is going to be as far as what this next season look like, um, you know, with teams not obviously having possibly not having revenue of fans being in the building, you talk about this being a business driven league, which of course it is. I mean, it has to be right. Um, do you see these conversations and do you see this activism possibly being altered or like the, the path of that being altered because we're in a, in a unclear economic, you know, climate where, you know, teams might not even know how they're going to make X, Y, and Z happen operationally. You know, how, you know, it's one of those, you know, got to put the mask on yourself before you can put it on the person sitting next to you thing. Do you see that kind of being where this is going or do you think that hockey's going to find a way? as far as like what they're going to do with these activism issues. Yeah. I think they have no interest in that right now because they're trying to focus the money. They're trying sure. to fix the business is in shambles because of COVID. Right. So that's what they're trying to fix all their attentions on that. And I've seen that play out with some things behind closed doors that we're trying to do with education. So everybody's focused on just getting the game back to where it is. Um, I think it should be on the people that now have all this free time 
to maybe see what's going on in the world and educate a bit more. I think taking the time out from the bubble, they did really sent a wave. But, you know, I'm hoping some people want to educate a bit more on it and get uncomfortable. Like, that's what I'm trying to do. Uh, trying to support and make the little tiny quarter of my world better. Um, but, yeah, it's this COVID has given all this free time, so we should be using it and hold ourselves accountable. But people probably, we've kind of come to see, don't usually do that. Uh, Accountability is a hard thing to find these days. So, no, I don't think these issues will be getting forwarded anytime soon as far as the big leagues and stuff. I think it'll be them just getting the game back on the ice. And then hopefully uh, when that's more shored up, we can start getting this going again maybe. But there's definitely a lot of people behind the scenes that are fighting for these things and that are, you know, that know people that are in these communities and are trying to make little differences. It's all little things. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so some of those little things that have, you know, happened in the past, I mean, you referenced it earlier um, and not to say that this is a little thing, it's just the first step that the NHL really started taking was, you know, hockey is for everyone nights, things of that nature um, that are maybe in some markets, you know, one-off nights and, and in other markets, you know, they're a bigger deal. It just kind of depends on how the team decides to, to go forward with it. And I, I'm wondering, you know, great first steps, but to you, like, what do you see being the next step from that? Right. Like, as great as that is and, and, you know, as good as it is to get that message out, what's next? Yeah. It's the humanizing and educating. That's what Brock talks about. And um, I have all this stuff that I know that I can't like share too much, but yeah, it is a lot of it as Brock says is performative. Um, For sure. There's a lot of that stuff, which is, uh, which is great. You know, like at least it's out there. At least people are talking about it, I guess, but we got to start putting in like actual, things like like almost how like concussions became a huge thing that everybody got educated on because the nhl was you know worried about that and stuff and then we got all these things you got to watch before the season and that kind of thing to educate on that it should, it should, needs to be the same thing with the inclusion probably because sports are leading like we talked about earlier do lead the way so we need to probably need to have these guys understand this a bit more um probably just educating the players and then having systems that educate kids but it costs money uh, effort uh so it's gonna you know no nothing changes without anything happening like stuff has to have something you know we have to put in a lot of work just like you to get this podcast going you got to get outside your comfort zone from your normal thing start a podcast i have to i don't ride like riding the assault bike i got to do it to get in shape we do uncomfortable things in our own personal lives to get things done but as a collective group we don't seem to do as much unless stuff hits the fan in humanity so we got to start putting like that humanizing and educating that's what i'm doing right now i'm sending a video to a team who's might, who's trying to, you know, a gay guy's trying to be their equipment manager. I'm sending a video to let them know, hey, this is okay. It's going to be all right. This is the way to approach it. That kind of thing. Like it's all this educating that needs to be done. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, without a doubt. Education is so key. I, I think – I, again, it goes back to that point of getting uncomfortable. Um, I, I know, I know you're probably familiar with the Black Girl Hockey Club's campaign for to get uncomfortable um, and that pledge. And so, have you seen guys like engage with that, like with those kind of things? Is that something that you're hopeful that guys will start to engage with a little bit more? I know, I, I think I saw. I might, it might have been Anson Carter. I don't want to put my foot in my mouth. It might not have been Anson Carter, but I saw a former player tweeted out, but I wasn't sure if that was something that was making its way around in spheres. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know with who too much as I got somebody sent it to me and then I sure. signed the pledge or whatever. Um, I know it's not talked about a lot. Like nobody wants to talk about it. People just want to talk about normal thing, life things and not go there. So that's why I have the pride tape in my stick everywhere I go. I have the pride mask when I want, wear a mask in the grocery store. Like I'm just trying to, it's got to be more visible. Like you're starting to see pride stuff everywhere though. You're starting to see 
Black Lives Matter everywhere. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we're going in the right direction. But, no, not a lot of people engage with it, I don't think, that much. Fair. Fair. And I kind of, you know, the last, like, formal thing, I, I just wanted to wrap up talking about a quote. And I actually think you started to, like, kind of go down this this path a little bit earlier. Uh, it was from an article that you were featured in on The Athletic with Craig Custance. Uh, it, it was a roundtable discussion interview. Um, and you had said, I'm just going to read the quote here, if that's okay. Um, uh, why can't we dream that hockey is just as accepting and maybe even leading the way in all sports on how inclusive we are? Hockey guys are supposed to be the quote-unquote best guys and most humble, the easiest to talk to. Let's start backing that up. I'd like to dream that hockey is a game enjoyed by everyone. And I thought that that was really powerful. It was one of the things that jumped out at me in that article. And I think, you know, for me, I'm wondering, you know, what, what gives you this optimism? Um, you know, I kind of want to end on a, on a high note, right? You know, what gives you the optimism that, that hockey has the potential to do this, that, you know, sports as a whole has potential to do this and, and where we go from here? I mean, I just, I don't know. I'm trying to be a positive guy. He was a negative guy for a long time. I used to act positive when inside I was still negative. So I'm trying to live it and act it now. Like, I think, Hockey is a great game. I love it for a reason. I think there's a lot of great people, and I think it can teach you a lot about life, uh, just like other sports. But obviously, I have a bias towards it. But it's just like, you know, with how everyone acts and how hockey seems to be so great, it's like, it's kind of a bunch of bull crap. If you think, if you really look at it, like, we're not doing enough. Um, people just say, oh, yeah, it's fine. Like, I support that. Like, I don't need to worry about it after that. It's like, that's not enough. Like, there's still the people, we need to all, like, kind of get on the same boat here the same board so that we can really continue to snuff out the hate it's always going to be there but it doesn't have to be like i don't know like 40 60 right now we need it more like like 95 5 love to hate you know we need to turn the move the needle towards uh love so it's always going to exist because that's what we know the difference is hate's always going to be a little bit there but we need to need to do better than we're doing. So I just have optimism of just hockey as a whole. If it's so great, it creates these special moments and there's so many great people, why can't we do that with the most important issues in society? Yeah, for sure. And I listened to a podcast called Too Many Men. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of that podcast, but it's three female sports journalists who, you know, talk about issues. And, and one of the things that stuck out with me and was almost like the motivation for this podcast for me is like, if you love something, you should want to make it better. <laughs> like that, that's like, just the more I mean like if you love a family member you you should want them to succeed and do better if you love you know anything a community you want it to to succeed and be better so why is hockey any different why are sports any different we should you know the things that we love that we're fans of we should always be challenging them to be better and we should always you know want to be a part of that so um so I really appreciate that sentiment too that real that you know maybe at times you know a little positivity you know gets looked at as being maybe a little bit too optimistic but I th- I think it's there I think you're right Yeah man I, I, so true like you uh you know my girlfriend she, I'm supporting her dreams I don't need her to achieve them but I like I want I know she wants them so I want to be there to support it and make that as better for her to achieve those and I want her to do the same for me and like of course that's what you do with loved ones and it, for sure we should apply it to hockey. You know, if hockey's giving guys careers and money and its lifestyle, give something back to it, you know? I guess you can do it in your own way. You can have fundraisers for all these things, and that's great, you know, uh, whether it's you lost a parent and now you bring kids to the suite. Like, all that kind of stuff is awesome. I just think these bigger – these are the, the big issues right now. Like sure. Large groups of people are marginalized and not living as well off as others. Why is that? If it – you know – of course, the world comes down, comes down, comes down to how competent you are, but the, there should be a base level of respect for everyone, and there's just not that right now. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, hey, man, that's about what I've got for you today as far as formal questions. Is there anything that I didn't ask you about that, you know, is just something that you, you'd like to talk about real quick? Or, you know, if, if not, that's cool, too. But I just wanted to give you the chance to, you know, wrap up however you saw fit. No, no, it's, it's great. I just think uh, everyone should, you know, whether like every little bit counts, I guess, like maybe read up on a little bit once a week, uh, follow a couple counts that put out positive things or educational things. If you're a parent, talk to your kids about these issues. I sure as hell know I will when I have kids. I know, just we all get uncomfortable for our own interests, but we all should be interested in the betterment of humanity if you consider yourself a human being. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate that a lot, for no doubt. Um, so do you have any uh, social media that you want to plug, any of your social media for the followers to, or for folks to follow you or listen to the podcast? Yep, Instagram is my main platform, at uh, CurtisGabriel underscore. And then Twitter is just at Curtis Gabriel. It's where I do most of my damage, I guess. Uh, trying sure. to put up my message and um, love to connect. Love when people send me messages to try to get as many as I can. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much for taking the time to, to chat with me today for, hell, even replying to the, you know, random podcast Instagram that DM'd you. <laughs> um, I appreciate it more than words could say. Um, so again, you know, hopefully people are, this will be a stepping stone for some folks to get involved in the conversation. Absolutely. Thank you, man. Yeah. I love vibing with people that you're stepping outside your thing to do something different. That's awesome. That's why I always vibe with people. We have great conversations. So kudos to you that you're, everybody should learn something from what you're doing. You have your, probably your regular gig and you're doing a side gig. That's awesome. Uh, I love that interview so much. I really, I've, this is probably like the fourth time I've listened to it just because I love the conversation that you and Curtis have with each other. Um, He's such an incredible individual he is not shy in saying that he is still learning that he is still making mistakes in his allyship and his advocacy and you know like you said in the intro and throughout the conversation this you know type of conversation and you know these issues are things that are still so timely even now almost a year after having interviewed him and these are still major changes. We've talked about it multiple times on on the show of what the NHL, what players, what, you know, all levels of hockey need to be doing to make this sport not only more inclusive, but a safe space, like a safe space for players, regardless of who they are and how they identify and what they, you know, believe in can feel safe playing the game that they love. And I just, you know, I so appreciate Curtis. And to think that all this came from like a weird Instagram interaction that I had with him. And by weird, I mean like shocking because I'm like, especially at that time, I was like, nobody just like loved hockey. Not that I'm anybody special right now, but like, I just was like, hey, he responded to my messages on Instagram. So I think you should shoot your shot and see if he'll come on the podcast. And shoot my shot I did. And I'm so glad that he did. And I'm so glad that we get to bring his conversation to um, and his message to to the listeners of Subjectively Speaking. A little bit of a different one today. I understand Curtis, you know, having never played for the Blue Jackets, hopefully one day. Um, but, uh, but I appreciate you all, um, you know, giving your time this week to to listen to that really important interview and conversation because I do like I do think that the conversation that we had 
is ultimately indicative of, you know, how I think Laura and I approach our fandom and how we approach this podcast. Um, you know, we might have our fun when we do it. We might like poke fun and all that kind of stuff, always in a loving and caring way. Uh, and I think that we just have so much love and respect for the people who want to interact with this game. And then I think Curtis does too. And so I think in a lot of ways, our vision for our sport, I say our sport, like I am like actively playing in, in, in the sport, but you know, the respect and love for the sport of hockey, I think is pretty clear in Curtis. And, uh, I hope that you all feel that too, when you listen to us and you, and you interact with us. Well, and I hope that this, you know, for those of you that listen to the interview can, can find the hope that one day we can be having this conversation with a blue jacket that feels supported enough by, you know, or that there's players on all teams that feel supported enough to have these conversations that they are educating themselves or they are a member of, you know, a minority community. Like, and you know, we can have these representation matters. We we can have these conversations and they don't have to feel, you know, ostracized or that they're going to face backlash in the locker room or, you know, that this is just a culture of, you know, it's, you can be who you are and still play hockey. And, you know, I think that's really important. So I hope that, you know, this allows, you know, fans players, whoever, to hope that we can continue to have these conversations and that other people can continue to do work like Curtis and that, you know, like Jeremy said, Curtis is now a Toronto Maple Leaf. The Leafs are such a major point in this league that I think that his work is going to get even more attention. He made a huge impact in San Jose. Um, They stood behind him 100% which was incredible to see. And, you know, it's just one step at a time, but we have to keep taking these steps. And I think that that's why it's so important to not only get this opportunity a year ago for Jeremy, but to be able to re-release it and have it still mean so much and be so much of about the conversation, you know, that we're having uh, here as a fan focused, as a person focused, as an inclusive sports fan focused podcast, these are these are the conversations we want to be having. Yes, and if you want to be a part of the conversation, uh, you know there are obviously ways that you can you can do this uh, work. I mean, uh, even if you're just trying to to introduce yourself to the work of allyship or activism. Um, in the sport of hockey, I recommend things like Black Girls Hockey Club, uh, the Get Uncomfortable campaign. Uh, I highly recommend that you sign that and sign on to it and volunteer your time and just and you know renew your commitment to the sport of hockey and making it a better place. Uh, but then I also would recommend just you know follow follow the people who are doing the work. Uh, you know there are a lot of really great people who are really involved in making the sport better. So all the folks who are associated uh, with Black Girl Hockey Club, so like Renee and like all those folks who are really incredible, um, you know, um, 
then of course Curtis, like you can follow Curtis who's doing the work inside of the sport, follow him, uh, Curtis Gabriel underscore on Instagram. That tends to be where he does a lot of his work. He's more of an Instagram guy, which could never be me, but I, I do try, I do try to get better at it. Um, but you know what? It's just, uh, day by day thing. But then also another person I would recommend following is uh, Brock McGillis uh, on Twitter. Brock McGillis uh, is, you know, incredible. He's a great activist um, and advocate for the LGBTQIA plus community, specifically in hockey. He did a really great um, hockey pride thread of like LGBTQIA plus folks who are somehow involved in the sport of hockey, whether that's like through fandom, uh, through playing, through uh, working and management or whatever. Um, you know, I recommend checking out Brock. Uh, he's at Brock underscore McGillis on Twitter. Um, that's where he does a lot of his work. And so there's so many ways that you can start doing the work. I know it can be a little overwhelming at first, but I definitely encourage you to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's just, there's still work to be done. Our communities can still be um, improved upon on all these major issues. And, you know, don't be afraid to hold your teams accountable either. Like if you want to see more um, from your respective teams in these areas and within your community, like don't be afraid to try and hold them accountable. I know we've both spoken um, about certain things in regards to the blue jackets and we would love to see more, um, more from them on the, on this front, more from the players, more from the front office, more from the organization in general, because Columbus is, you know, Columbus is, you know, billed as a very inclusive and, you know, open city to live in. And the teams that reside in the city should represent that. So that's always going to be part of our mission. And we think if you've gotten to this point with us, this is episode 59. That this is where they cut it. They're like, I've done this 58 like, times. No. But the 59th time where you talk about being being nice and respectful to people. Freaking snowflake <laughs> podcasters. Um, but yeah, this is, you know, it shouldn't be unclear that this is part of Jeremy and, I, Jeremy and I's mission with this show. And it's going to be part of the work that we do for as long as we do subjectively speaking. So we just want people to be kind to each other. We want this sport because we love this sport. We want this sport to be, be a place where everyone feels welcome to enjoy, whether you're playing or sitting in the stands. Um, we just want everyone to feel like they can enjoy the sport that we love. Yes. And you can follow along, Laura, I'm going to steal your thunder a little bit here, but you can follow along when we're having those conversations with us on Twitter at subjectively pod um, on Facebook, subjectively speaking, um, you can check out our website for our commitment to this work, www.subjectivelyspeaking.com. And, you know, we'll continue to do the work. Um, and we hope that you'll do the work with us. Uh, cause I think, I think we're good people to do the work with. So, um, Laura, I'll we, throw back. Anyway. <laughs> we do, we do. And we'll make mistakes on 100% as everybody will when they're doing this work. Um, but but nevertheless, we do appreciate you all. And we really do appreciate you taking the time to listen in today. We love you, Fifth Line. Bye.